Log Talk Radio. You cannot get rid of tyranny by fighting tyrants. For a very good reason. Tyranny doesn't exist independently of something else, which is more important. There is a something else which has to be defined before you know what tyranny is. What's that? It's opposite. Prison. Get a friend, get informed, and get involved. We are not cattle radio. And good evening and welcome to We Are Not Cattle Radio. I am your host, Jake Counts. Coming to you live from literally and figuratively the home of the Walking Dead, Sonoya, Georgia. It is the 13th day of August 2015, and we'll be live here for the next hour. Joining me on the broadcast here in a little bit will be Josh Wiley of statelesshomesteading.com. And we're going to be discussing all things cyber. Kind of picking up where we left off in the last podcast, where we had the idea to discuss uh, very much briefly this uh, facial recognition, the the entrance into the panopticon, if you will. So for those of you that don't know, we had a nice discussion last uh, show. If you want to go check that out, it was a podcast episode 114. And we talked about how typically the way that things manifest here in the United States uh, especially when it comes to uh, the surveillance state and things of that nature, it'll it'll start over in Europe. And what we see now is an extended rollout of this idea that um, that everything needs to be tracked, traced, watched, measured, those types of things. So bringing in the true technocracy, uh, neo feudalism, whatever you would like to call it, the techno the technotronic era where everything will be visual communications, will nobody will learn how to read and write anymore. We'll, we'll all communicate with each other through visuals and audio, which all sounds great to an extent. But then we have to remember who's deploying this technology. What is it being used for? Are there nefarious purposes behind some of the technology that's being deployed? Who's monitoring the technology? What are the guidelines that are being used? These are all the discussions that came up when the American people became wise to the fact that the United States military and the United States government was going to start using drones to not only identify targets, which is what they were used for before. And remember, drones have been around since the 1960s. And for anybody that wants to read Operation Northwoods, that was actually a plan uh, in Operation Northwoods was to actually have a drone pilot uh, fly and land at an Air Force base. The pilot was going to get off the, the – excuse me, start from the beginning. The plane was going to take off. It was going to go out into <clears throat> some Air Force base out on the islands near Cuba. It would land. The, the pilot would get off, and then the the plane itself would be remotely controlled – into a facility and engage uh, the the Cuban airspace, uh, causing the Cubans or provoking the Cubans to fire on it. And then once the the um, the, uh, the pilot was fired upon or the drone was fired upon, then we'd have uh, a justifiable reason to to attack uh, Cuba. This is all a declassified plan that came out in the 19. I believe it was under uh, JFK where he refused to actually pull off Operation Northwoods, and I don't remember the actual date. So 
Moving from those eras of drones, now we're moving into the all-encompassing realm of everything cyber. And there is a giant problem with this idea and notion that everything can be encapsulated in this one little word called cyber. Now, what, it, what does cyber mean to you, I guess, is the question. Well, cyber to the government means anything that touches an electrical outlet or touches a 100 base 10 port, which are now considered one gig ports for all of my nerds out there. And I'm sure we do have a lot of tech-savvy nerds that listen to the show, and they appreciate what we cover here. Because we'll call the establishment out on BS. Like when the establishment tells you that the Sony hack was BS, or they're constantly getting hacked by China, which is BS, or they're constantly getting hacked by whomever. It's a demonization campaign. It can't be proven. It's very difficult to prove things like this. So the talking points are fed through the politicians to go out and brainwash the public that um, that the United States is constantly under attack and, and they hate us for our freedoms abroad. Well, they probably don't hate us for our freedoms abroad. They probably hate us for our invasive foreign policy. They probably hate us for our sanctions that we've put on their nation for 50 years like Cuba. They probably hate us for a multitude of reasons. Some justified, some it's more of, you know, tribal gang crap. The stuff that we're dealing with even here in America. And when I say that we're dealing with that here in America, what are, what are we talking about? The idea of tribalism, or the idea that Brzezinski talks about in uh, Between Two Ages, which I, I'm uh, about halfway done with, and Josh and I will be doing a full breakdown, uh, I believe, on his podcast – We'll go over that, and I'll, um, I'll mirror that here as well. But what he talks about is the idea that, um, that we can move society, that we can shift society and export things from the United States. We've exported a lot of really great things from the ideas of, of freedom, from the ideas of technology, um, being an innovative country. Those types of things, that was, those are all good things. That's one way that the United States is actually really not – a an evil empire. Uh, what he calls them, is, what he calls us, is a um, an empire that doesn't impose its will, but yet suggests its will. But for those of us that do forensic history, we understand that this is all war gamed out to an extent. And the reason that they want control of technology is not to control the people; it's to do what he considers. He doesn't call it divide and conquer. He calls it divide and control, and that's exactly what it is. And I'm getting some weird feedback in my ear. I don't know if that's blog talk or if that's my mic or what it is, but um, I'm about to pull up Josh here in a second. But that's what we're dealing with here. We're dealing with the idea that the government is utilizing technology to, to game the system, number one, in order to make money, like in Wall Street and other trade deals – which is why the TPP and the TPIP and all these other foreign trade agreements are all secretive because of the implications it would have on other nation states. And I don't think that the American people would be very, would be very receptive to the idea that we're going to have corporate boards tell foreign governments what they can and can't do. I think that that really becomes a, a, a touchy subject for people in America that really truly – think that that dictating behaviors around the world 
um, to governments on the whims and wishes of foreign corporations may be a little bit playing hanky-panky. So we have that to contend with. But when we look at cyber, what cyber means to me, cyber means digital control. Whether you're looking at control of the Internet uh, through the new policies passed that the FCC will now regulate the Internet as a utility, um, through all of these different legislations that are coming out, uh, Spain had a interesting legislation pass where if you speak poorly about the government, even on social media, that you can be arrested. So that's where we're heading. And the idea that I'm going to be leaving social media, I'm going to make the announcement now. At the end of August, and I'll post this a couple of times, I will no longer be on Facebook. I may be on Twitter. I may be on Instagram or something of that effect. But the idea of being on Facebook anymore to me, it does nothing for my psyche. And for those of you that are enlightened and for those of you that are really seeking truth and and trying to find a direction that we should push uh, humanity as a whole, I think it's putting us into this idea of getting stuck in the mud. Because what we're doing is we're we're exchanging emotional platitudes with one another, but never really tackling the issues, which the issues are really, people, the individuals. We as an individual have to make the the discernment, the idea, the sacrifice to do what's right in a given situation. To not take the easy way out. And I'm sorry, but selling out is really damn easy. But taking the hard line, doing something like what Josh is doing. I have all the respect in the world for somebody that does something like that. I'm not in a position in, in my state of life where I can do something like what he's doing and trying to live as free as humanly possible. And being an example and a beacon to people that can see ideas of freedom and see how they manifest. See how you can live sustainable and, and true sustainability, not this wind turbine bullshit that, that everybody pushes in, in, the, um, in the eco-fascist community. You know, not, uh, not pie-in-the-sky, um, you know, pie-in-the-sky free energy ideas. Some of them may be valid, some of them may not. But the fact of the matter is, is that the, the corporate controllers will never allow a thing, technologies like that to, to manifest. And that's a small realization that we all have to come to eventually, is that we're in a situation now where the power is controlled by a very small group of people. I call it, you can call it the New World Order, you can call them the Internationalist. They've all written books about it. They've written memoirs about it. Uh, Cecil Rhodes developed the plan. Who, good God, I'll have to get Josh to tell me how long ago that was. But the idea that we need to make a holistic change as a society and then everybody has to go along with it is bullshit. The change, people, the change happens with you, the individual. It happens when you decide to turn off the television and read a book instead. It, it happens when we decide that we're not going to participate in the bread and circus that's provided to us, and we engage in real conversation. We engage in real solutions. We live the solutions. We try to be free. We try to do everything that we can to be a free individual, knowing good and well that there are massive control freaks out there that have been conditioned by a system. 
that tells you that it's okay to stick your nose in other people's business because eventually they're going to cross your business and you need to be able to defend yourself. That's nonsense. What somebody else does in their own personal life inside of their home is none of your damn business. And that's why cyber and all of these other gadgets that are there to spy on you, when people say, oh, it's no big deal, it is a big deal. Because if you allow that, then you allow the next step and you get conditioned incrementally. And it's just like I had a conversation with my parents at dinner and that's why I was a little bit late getting on. That, I mean, my, my mom watches a show and it talks about how they... They go and they use facial recognition to find somebody to save this person from, you know, being assassinated or whatever. And I said, I just don't, I won't watch that propaganda. And she's like, well, no, it shows how they use it for good. I'm like, mom, that's conditioning you either way. It's conditioning you to accept it, that this is okay. It is not okay. Perception of, yeah, perception of privacy once you leave your home, that's fine. But we've heard the stories, we've read the articles of the NSA cracking into people's webcams. Shoot, there's people that have, you know, home, I guess, um, videos or chats that they're doing with their significant other where they're being intimate over a webcam, and those get captured and hacked and released. So we're not talking about cyber as something that happens once we walk out the door. Cyber is in your pocket, cyber is on your computer, cyber is everywhere. And that's what we're going to talk about tonight. So joining me now from statelesshomesteading.com is friend of the show, longtime friend of mine, Josh Wiley. Josh, thanks for coming on board, man. Well, Jake, thanks so much for having me, as always. And this uh, is a topic that I know both of us, uh, it occupies a lot of our time and our thoughts and our actions. So I'm glad that we're going to talk about it tonight. Uh, although I did have some comments uh, on your inter introductory monologue, if you don't mind. No, by all means, go ahead. Oh, really quickly, I just thought I'd expand uh, on your mention of Operation Northwood, um, because that document was actually declassified as a result of uh, a movement that surrounded Oliver Stone's release of the JFK movie in the early 90s. Um, and when that document came out, uh, R. Fletcher Prouty, the real Mr. X, uh, who was the character played by, um, oh, who was that? Uh, Kevin Mr. Costner, Evil guy in the Hunger Games, and lots of other globalist creepy movies. Uh, Kevin uh, Costner is that the or he, no? No, he meets with Kevin Costner uh, in Washington D.C. in that scene where this gentleman is explaining uh, how how the secret team operates, as this man called it. This is that real the real man, R. Fletcher Prouty. Uh, was the character Mr. X in that film, mm -hmm. and he claimed that this document was drafted by this quote-unquote what he called the secret team um, but as you stated in your introduction it's called by any number of names today mm -hmm. uh, and it's just funny that this is presumably the same group uh, which assassinated JFK the same group that pulled off 9-11 using potentially remote controlled or drone airplanes and is now kind of forcing neo-feudal technocracy down the throats of free humanity and as for uh, Cecil Rhodes, uh, the, his will and testament that we have access to uh, was written in the 1870s, but I don't think he died until 1904. Okay. So now that we have all the all, all the dates in place, what were what would you like? All to, the grammar. Yeah, all the grammar in place. Now let's get into the logic. What would you like to cover 
Um, from a, from a cyber standpoint, I, I was trying to get my point across that that cyber is not something that happens to somebody else. You know whether whether you know whether you look at today's cultural society where everything is about um, uh, putting everyone into a group and then either demonizing or or um, quote unquote raising awareness for a group. And um, my wife saw something one um, the other night and thought it was just absolutely disgusting. It's this. New feminine, and I'm just going to get off topic for two seconds, but it's kind of going to wrap up here in a moment. This new feminist topic called, or feminist tactic, I guess you would say, called free bleeding, where women on their monthly cycle don't use anything to protect themselves. And some woman ran a race while she was in her menstruation cycle and, and was very proud of herself to quote-unquote raise awareness and we have to get out of this idea that we're a bunch of groups, and that's why I made a Facebook post tonight about this. Today is National Left-Handed Day, and as a lefty, I can say, um, fuck all you people that want to make us a day. It is not about being an, a lefty. It is not about being short. It's not about being tall, black, white, Asian, whatever. We're all it's the same species, people. We have to get over this idea that we're all little special little cupcakes. No. We're all on a big-ass rock in the middle of a freaking galaxy, in the middle of a universe. Nobody knows why the hell we're here. Nobody knows if these, this is even a reality that exists or if this is a simulation. And we're sitting here talking about stuff that has no merit whatsoever. Oh, let's raise awareness for, for somebody that can not wear a tampon. Great. There are alternatives for that. Because they say, Josh, in the in the idea of feminism, in this new free bleeding, that that the uh, the tampon is a is a masculine object, where there are other ways to you know prevent these things from from excuse the the gross analogy, but prevent you from from going everywhere, and it's it's getting to the point where it's it's you you had a great term for it earlier today. Will you share with people? Why you believe that social media, getting back into the cyber aspect of it, and this is where it all originates from, people. Nobody nobody gave a shit about free bleeding or any of this other crap until we had the invention of the internet with this idea that we can communicate instantly, we could form groups together, and that's where all this congregating is coming to a head because they're utilizing this technology, people. If you belong to a group, if you belong to a certain way of thinking, they're using it to profile you. They're putting you in a category. Now, whether you think that's a good thing or not, I think it's extremely creepy. So, Josh, back to uh, back to what was your breakdown of the reasoning for um, people doing selfies, for people posting political posts, which I'm actually going to just stop doing now because it's just it's frivolous. And I don't know if you heard my announcement, but you told me, you know, just just do it. So at the end of August, I will be leaving Facebook. Bye-bye, Facebook. If you want to communicate with me, communicate with me via Twitter or some other action. Here, here's an idea. You can email me at wearenotcattle at gmail.com. So go ahead, Josh. I'm hogging the mic on my own show, but I do want your input on this. Well, social media, I, I think, is really just a system of social validation. Uh, it's like kind of an operantly conditioned Skinner box. Almost, you know, the the rat pushes the lever and the light flashes and it gets the cheese and you push the wrong lever and it gets a little shock. 
right? B.F. Skinner did this research at Harvard in the 40s. So would it be like if you, did, Facebook, if, you, so if you did something really well, it would be like this? <laughs> yeah, in a, in a more Pavlovian sense, certainly. Sure. Uh, but operant conditioning, you know, is this is more of a, of a positive reinforcement kind of model. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, whether you're putting out updating profile pictures with these new ridiculous applications, Jake, that are beautification apps yeah. uh, using the same technology and facial recognition, essentially, I guess, to, to make women look more attractive or mm-hmm. slim them down or something. Or to remove blemishes. Or, to me. Yeah, remove blemishes, those types of things, yeah. It's just insane that we live in such a culture of vanity. But So uploading these kinds of profile pictures or even posting you know, what you're having for breakfast or your political uh, views or your views on any given topic, it's almost like this uh, uh, desire for feedback. Uh, in that you want your peers to acknowledge that you are pretty or intelligent or, uh, you know, your opinions are well-founded. And this is measured by, you know, likes and, uh, and dislikes and retweets and uh, uh, comments. And it's not, not only is it a system where people are constantly seeking validation from, from the external as opposed to internal, internal reflection, but based on the algorithms that sort and, you know, uh, organize your news feed to you, depending on what shows up on top, it can even be used to, to manage someone's uh, psychological profile as well. You know, if, uh, if, if posts, which happens all the time, uh, whether posts are buried based on their content or promoted based on their relative stupidity and meaninglessness. Well, I do have a clip. Let's go to the – hold on one second. Let's go to the uh... – Let's go to the new clip. So for anybody that doesn't know, Facebook is, and this is why I'll be leaving, uh, one of the more nefarious apps you could ever put on your phone, especially Facebook Messenger. And that will be going away as well. So um, here is the here is the clip describing the, the software and, and, and what it can do and what they're doing with it that you may not be aware of. So here's the clip. Enjoy, everyone. Um, remember, uh, slavery is freedom. So the big question is, how does Facebook or other social media sites do this? I can tell you about Facebook for sure. What we do know is that how Facebook's criminal detection program operates is this. The software focuses on conversations between members who have loose relationships on the social network. You know, here's an example. You could have two users who they aren't friends or they only recently became friends. They have no mutual friends, interact with each other very little. They have a significant age difference and or are located far from each other. Now, these are just a couple of things that are part of the tools that the operating system uses, and they pay particular attention to these things. Now, the scanning program, it looks for certain phrases found in previously obtained chats of records from criminals. So it also has these keywords that then go into this and all of this adds up to identification. But the relationship analysis and the phrase material it have to add up before a Facebook employee actually looks at the correspondence. And then and only then does an employee make the final decision of whether or not to alert authorities. So it's not like Facebook employees are spending hours looking through your conversations. It's several steps before a human being is even alerted to look at anything. God, that sounds eerily familiar with what the NSA always preaches to everybody, doesn't it, Josh? Doesn't that sound eerily familiar? 
it also sounds infinitely worse than actually having a room full of people come through your uh, your comments and messages individually. At least that would take time and require a significant amount of money and manpower. Correct. You know, if you're doing this algorithmically and you're storing it on some, you know, whirring central server, you know, somewhere in the desert or uh, in, uh, you know, off in Utah where the NSA's data center is, uh, Bluffdale, you know, these uh, uh, kinds of programs are just, Par for the course for the erection of the of the simulacra, Jake. Unfortunately, yeah, and it's it's terrifying to me to think that. I mean, just listen to the you know the phrasing that she uses. Well, it could be a loose affiliation with somebody that's a different age group. What if I meet a World War II veteran tomorrow that just so happens to have a Facebook page, and he and I have no mutual friends? We connect six months from now. He says, "Hey Jake, would you would you like to go would you like to go shooting this weekend?" "Sure, I would. Where would you like to go? Let's meet here." "Great. That would be flagged because I'm sure that shooting is one of the terms that they flag. I haven't had a conversation with this guy before very often. You know, it it's the thing that we discuss a lot on this show, Josh. And I think that the people out there really need to understand this. Technology people is programmed by human beings. Human beings can have flaws. Codes can have flaws. So this idea that if we just turn everything over or to codes the, can be, or codes can be malicious oh. and operating as intended, as intended, and that those those evil intents can be, you know, described as as flaws or glitches, right? Oh, absolutely. I mean, look at Hillary Clinton's. Oh well. You know, you'll never get my server, and oh, yeah, you found some emails with pertinent information in there. We all knew that she was full of crap. I mean, anybody that's followed the Clintons and anybody that knows anything about Hillary Clinton watching her flip-flop politically, they're just a bunch of, they're just a bunch of liars, people. <laughs> and I think that's why, jo I know that's why I left the political scene, because I had somebody that I really believed in that I thought could make a difference sell out right in front of my face. Saying, oh, I want to win. Well, guess what, man? You won. Great. You, you lost freedom, and you decided that it was more important for your ego to go try and be the president. And I'll never support people like that. And that's why the country will never change, because people, at the end of the day, those, and I said it, Josh. God, I caught myself. But those are, the, those are the people that run for political office, the people that want to be winners. And unfortunately... This country was not set up like that. We weren't set up to have a bunch of winners to go out and win elections and then do the exact opposite of anything that you ever said that you were going to do or make campaign promises. It's funny. Josh, I used to talk about this um, quite a bit on my show. If you ever go out and you want to do something fun for yourself tomorrow, go ask your, your friends uh, a couple of different questions. Say, give me one word that comes to mind when I mention this profession. Uh, and if you go through professional athlete, you can go through lawyer. They might say crooked. And if you ever go to politician, they're either going to say slimy, weasley, or a liar. And then your next question should be, so why do we ever believe anything that they say, and why do we keep voting for them? And it, it's, a very, yeah. it's a very logical end to this, to this hamster wheel that people put themselves on. With you know another great show that you and I did, the Savior Complex, where they put the man on the white horse, you know, from Napoleon Bonaparte, the man that rode in on the white horse. Just so, it's it's 
it's a ridiculous prospect, and with the idea of Bernie Sanders and socialism, it's even a, a more ridiculous prospect. But it's the um, yeah, it's the fanfare and it's, it just, the, it's the groupthink that's really that's really driving this whole this whole agenda. And I think you're right, Josh, that when we have we have things set up the way that they are, and we have such a, a tightly controlled media the way that we do. Uh, where where real legitimate candidates like Ron Paul can't even get a fair shake, that, that's when when I knew that Ron Paul basically won that um, primary in Maine, and they shut it down. That's when I knew the system was rigged, and I gave up. That and when one of the guys that I was supporting said that he was going to run on the Democratic ticket and said that that's where all the money is, and he wanted to go win, so. Go in, dude, and then find out what really happens when you get in the door with all the smoke and you know smoke and mirrors clears. So, but I don't mean to be doom yeah, and gloom well, for everybody, but I think it really does get back to the individual trait. I mean, that's that's where we're going to find salvation, people. It's not going to be salvation through a man on a white horse. It's not going to be through government. It's not going to be through any other means. And I think you and I have discussed this before as well, Josh. It's it's always people are looking to be saved where the only person that's going to save you is yourself. Yeah. I mean, this is, these are what is widely taught throughout most esoteric traditions throughout history, Jake. I mean, including Christianity until, uh, it was removed, uh, in the council of Nicaea, uh, you know, in the gospel of Thomas, Jesus says, uh, uh, to, uh, if you bring out what is within you, then what is within you will save you. Uh, but if you fail to bring out what is within you, then what you fail to bring out will destroy you. So he's essentially saying that, you know, my message is, and I am, to a certain extent, you know, your highest aspirations for yourself, provided that those are in line with natural law. Uh, but all of these kind of, you know, deeper um, moral parables in our culture have been, you know, slimmed down or eliminated entirely in favor of, you know, brainless action movies and video games and this kind of junk. Not that there's not a lot of wonderful films and games out there that do have, you know, mm-hmm. positive kind of uh, media and, and messaging. Um, I didn't know exactly where you wanted to go with this because you threw out a lot of stuff there. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you wanted to stay on the cyber meme, mm-hmm. I just thought it was interesting that what this Facebook app is essentially doing is relationship mapping, uh, which is what a law enforcement or intelligence agency would do when they're building an intelligence profile on a target regardless. It's just that now you're giving this to them willingly, which is flabbergasting to me. And I think it's the the sort of uh, um, pervasiveness of this, if I'm not doing anything wrong, I don't have anything to hide meme. Right. And it gets back to what we were talking about initially, Jake, in that these collectivists, control freaks who are historically and systematically not have proven themselves not to be trusted from fixing elections and primaries in Maine uh, to fixing national elections to assassinating presidents to overthrowing uh, you know foreign sovereign nations uh, these people are just they don't deserve humanity's trust yet we're giving them all of their all of the our information on a silver platter and then telling them Jake uh, something that you brought up before we're giving them the ability to implement 
it's effectively unneutral code. We get this idea when we think of computers, and again, this gets back to something we've talked about before, people just fundamentally not understanding how technology actually works. Yeah, we've never um, discussed that on the show, and I think that that's um, a fundamental topic we need to touch on, so continue. I, I, I believe we did uh, either a week or two ago, actually, at least for part of it. It might have been an overdrive. Well, it was uh, it was talking about the networking aspect of, of computers. Yeah, we talked yeah. about that, but it just like just the basic ones and zeros, the yes and no questions that get asked. People don't even know. Like, go go ahead and finish your thought, and then I'll come back and with well, mine. yeah. Sorry, before I lose it, people view technology because they don't necessarily understand how it works as neutral, um, and the you know the the lines of code aren't they don't have malicious intent in and of themselves. But if they're arranged in a way by a programmer who does have malicious intent, then that, is, that becomes malicious software. Mm -hmm. And when you look at what you know, we, cla we would classify as malicious software in today's age, Jake, it's everywhere. It's, it's running in your browser on Facebook. It's spying on you through Google Chrome. You know, it's in your operating system directly, especially with this new Windows 10 debacle as it's coming out. Uh, even more uh, what would seem to be, you know, more neutral operating systems like, uh, like Ubuntu, which is distributed by a company called Canonical. Uh, it's an open-source Linux distribution, but at the same time, Canonical has also been caught since uh, 2012 trying to sneak Amazon spyware into their operating system. And even after multiple, you know, outcries from the community that this is bad and, you know, people hard forking this operating system so you could get it without the Amazon spyware, uh, Canonical refused to address the issue and is now, uh, you know, trying to uh, still implement this technology in different ways with, with each constant release. So we're, this technology is hardly neutral. And we're giving it to a group of people uh, who are mapping intelligence profiles and relationship mappings of us. And while the things that we talk about or the things that we do may not be deemed overtly illegal or, uh, you know, as malfeasant today, uh, it's very, uh, you know, uh, you could foresee a future in which these things are very actively used, not just for political dissidents and, uh, you know, <laughs> extremists such as ourselves, J ourselves Jake, um, but for things as nascent as, um, you know, uh, for example, the amount of time you drive in your car or how much fuel you use, which based on, you know, upcoming EPA regulations is, a, is of great interest to the state. Mm -hmm. uh, so... The, these kinds of things are going to be used to, uh, to to regulate you out of existence, quite frankly. And and things like Facebook are just the beginning of the boiling water. It's it's the it's it's the conditioning software that you enjoy, so that when these kind of technologies are integrated into every aspect of your life, and most of them are not very pleasant, you'll at least have those fond memories of you know posting pictures of your bacon and egg sandwich every morning at 9.30. All right, so I'm going to try to crystallize this with a clip. I hope this is the right one. So here we go. Somebody told me that they can listen to what we're saying by my having this, even if it's turned off. Yes. Here's the, here's the real grand design. Okay, so... Every sorry, I'm going to have to restart this clip. Uh, William Benny, uh, highest level NSA whistleblower in history. Um, screw Air, uh, Edward CIA or Russian intelligence Snowden, whatever he is. Um, this all came Mr. out. Snow job. 
Snow snow job. There, there you go. I'm right at, and um, you know, I love how No Agenda always points out that every time he gets in front of a camera, he has those uh, glasses with the um, with the nose pieces missing. So, uh, yep, you're being he's con- on the run, Jake. I mean, he he can't just he can't just go buy new glasses. Yeah, he's a, it's a con job. Everybody, get ready, con job. All right, so here we go. Somebody told me that they can listen to what we're saying by my having this, even if it's turned off. Yes. Here's the here's the real brand design. Every domain, think of a domain as an activity, uh, a specific type of activity, phone calls, or banking is another domain. So if you think of graphing each domain, and then each graph then turning it in the third dimension, the, the trick now is to map through all the domains in that third dimension, pulling together all the attributes that any individual has in every domain, so that now I can pull your entire life together from all those domains and map it out and show your entire life. That's exactly what Josh was talking about. And Josh, did you notice the term that William Benny used where he talked about it's a domain? Do you remember what the Operation Jade Helm's trademark is? Not to say that Jade Helm is a takeover anybody, but what is the catchphrase or the mapping the human domain or conquering the human domain mastering mastering the human domain there you go so it's an intelligence op as well so you know as josh and i have said there's there's really no cause to be alarmed for something like a jade helm if they were going to have uh, a a, um, tyrannical takeover the united states they would probably use more than 1500 troops just say it but you know, at, I don't think they'd tell you about it ahead of time either. Yeah, but. they probably wouldn't have a press release and hold press conferences about it either. So, but you know, we can close this topic out here in a minute because I do want to talk about the the China stuff and, and and what this really means and and what you found out the other day because I thought that was extremely interesting. Um, so, your last thoughts on, on this um, on the cyber and maybe you know maybe sometime in the future. I should pull together all my clips from from all these different cyber, um, you know, whistleblowers that I've that I've clipped and and all those things, and we can do like a two hour show uh, on on the digital panopticon and how it's being erected around you and and what you can do to to protect yourself because I think solutions uh, really do you know really do play a part in this, and if we can push people to create solutions, then. Um, uh, for the Panopticon, and I think that we'll be trending in the right direction. But as we're headed right now, it's a very it's a very passive approach to having um, to having personal uh, freedom and personal privacy. So everybody's being passive about it, and then, like Josh says, um, they're they're going to be squawking and squealing in, in a few years when they let this all kind of happen around them. But nobody said anything because you can you can play bubble pop or whatever the hell you can play on there. So, uh, your final thoughts on cyber? Prefer, the, yeah, go. I prefer Candy Crush, Jake. Oh yeah, um, absolutely. But, Especially if you get the extra but, content that you pay for. Oh yeah, absolutely. You got to get all the premium packages with it, you know. <laughs> but the, this this notion of what I call neo-feudal technocracy, you know, the big new Brzezinski called it the technotronic era. Uh, it, it has a lot of names, but it's essentially fascism by ecotechnics, really, this system of, you know, the cybernetic panopticon that we've been talking about today. It's, 
we're at this point in which we still have choice in the way we digitally interact with the world. And that choice is being limited by the day, uh, especially as these services become more centralized. But hypothetically, one could, um, you know, live the life of a, a Luddite and say, I'm not going to, I'm, I'll have a computer, but I'm not going to connect it to the Internet. Or I'm only going to connect it to the Internet, and I'm not going to use services like Facebook and Twitter and, and Google Plus that I know are spying on me. Or you could say, I don't want a smartphone that tracks me everywhere, or I'm the kind of user that pulls the battery out whenever I'm walking around, and whether or not that's still effective uh, you know, with, with these small CMOS batteries that are on board as well on these phones, just like computers. You don't know if that's actually working. Mm-hmm. But you could, you could hypothetically remove yourself from some of the things that are beginning to become uncomfortable. And in one sense, that makes you a target uh, in and of yourself, seeing as there is no intelligence profile uh, or relationship map digitally on you, uh, which is going to become increasingly suspicious in and of itself. But we're entering a realm, Jay, and I'm sure that you know this because we talk about it all the time, and, and the listen, I'm sure the li- a lot of the listeners know if they're listening to a program like this one. Pretty soon you're not going to have a choice. There's going to be a sensor in every public toilet that, you know, is supposedly for cancer screening, you know, but it will eventually evolve into, you know, the, the, the scanning of biometrics for tracking of movement. Uh, cameras everywhere uh, will soon be networked to some kind of facial recognition database provided by services like Facebook, you know, on these data mining companies. Uh, and, and this, of course, will interface with law enforcement software, as is already being described. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you... You know, the, there's this point at which it's going to be, it's, it will be very uncomfortable uh, to not be able to go to the supermarket, for example, uh, for fear of being labeled a political dissident. You know, at that point, you quite literally would have to live uh, the life of a mountain man in the woods somewhere. And uh, even at, with some of the more radical steps that I've taken in my life, I would not even want to go that far, Jake. So we really have this unique window of opportunity to, to let people know about this and to stand up against it. Um, I, I, but I would, that window is rapidly closing. I, I would agree with you, Josh, but I just got, uh, I got one question for you, man. Hmm. Where's your tattoo? Why come you don't have a tattoo? <laughs> I couldn't resist. Why come you don't have a tattoo, Josh? <laughs> oh man, and, uh, it's, it's funny that you play that clip now. I was just listening to a Peace Revolution episode, uh, which uh, included the head of, I think, Google's uh, research department on bioinformatics or something like that. And uh, she was demonstrating a wearable tattoo. Oh, of course. Uh, there, that uh, ha- also had or a wearable uh, electronic that was, was a tattoo, uh, unlocked her car for her, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then she also demonstrated what she uh, called vitamin authentication. Jake, uh, where it's a pill of uh, micronized sensors that dissolve dissolve in your bloodstream that monitor your vitamin intake. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I've seen those, and uh, and, and and this 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 is, was I think in 2013. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. They were pushing that stuff really hard. Around, so yeah, they were gonna they were yeah, also going yeah. to have pills that they were going to um, 
that you were going to swallow that would be like um, it would be time released, but it would be dependent upon your like blood pressure and stuff like that. Like people that take blood pressure yeah. medication or take insulin, they were going to have um, computer released uh, insulin that would. I mean, this stuff sounds you know high tech, but guys, it's 2015. <laughs> like it's getting a little bit ridiculous, but. That drives me back to the point, and I'll finish up with this um, from from the cyber perspective. Uh, Discover Magazine, which um, ran a big piece, and and I showed it to to my wife, uh, talking about all the, and I'll have to find it. I'll dig it up somewhere. But it talked about all the great new innovations that are coming, like what you said that um, you know they will have a, a wearable. It's like a peelable tattoo that you'll be able to to do all kinds of things with. That you'll have a. Um, that you'll have a suit that generates energy so you can charge your iPod, that um, the the genetic splicing of uh, animals so you can create your own pet, like a, I think it was a half dog, half fox kind of thing, that you could basically, you know, just showing you how how great all this all this science will be and it'll all be fun. And, and every time I see this stuff, I just start thinking about, like, Trotskyites and and Russia in the 1915 and 1916 it just it creeps me out to no extent that we're going to we're not going to learn from history we're going to go down the same path where we have a giant centralized control mechanism a giant central government that's going to dictate the path of humanity and we don't get a say and what's increasingly becoming more um or should be becoming increasingly more, I guess, um, visual to to the listeners, especially longtime listeners of my show. And thank you for listening, and thanks for sharing it. Um, we don't have states' rights anymore, people. The states' rights are always trumped by the federal government, which should never be the case. But that's what's going on. And if we let that happen, whether you're a Republican uh, or Democrat or Whatever you know, whatever team you're on, I don't care. If you let that happen, if you centralize authority, you're going to get fascism and you're going to get totalitarianism. It is just a fact, hundred percent fact. There are no benevolent leaders. It, it does not happen anymore. There's nobody coming in on a white horse. The more that you centralize control, the reason the Constitution was set up this way, and I know that it was built by aristocrats and all that other stuff. But at least they were enlightened human beings and understood that the greatest threat to humanity was centralized control because typically bad people will get in control of a central, centrally controlled society and will do terrible things, a.k.a. Mr. Schicklegruber or whatever his real name was. We still don't know that. But anyway, so closing out that segment um, – Let's transition into China and let's transition into what's happened um, with about the last 10 minutes that we've got here. I think we can hit this and, and hit it pretty well. What has been going on with China and, and the BRICS and all these things can be summed up in a couple of clips that I've got here from John Kerry. And I, I don't like Mr. John Kerry, but Mr. Skull and Bones, but let's let's take it for what it's worth. And here is here's what um, what we're talking about when we – when Josh and I get into the idea of the BRICS and, and this competing currency, and we'll get Josh's take on all of this. So here we go. Mr. Kerry. 
It's very likely that your emails are being it's read? It's very possible. I, I, there's no way for me, and I certainly write things uh, without awareness. With all of the attacks that have come apparently from China on the U.S. government, there is a sense that the United States is unable to defend itself. Well, we got to pass cybersecurity, Josh. we got to spy on everybody to make sure that you're not a hacker hacking for China. In the cyber world. Well, how much the cyber concern world, should we have? Know, Scott, it's, it's a very complicated and fast-moving world. That he has no freaking clue how it works, nor what he's talking about. So here comes the fun stuff. Remember, Josh, he's getting hacked by everybody. It's, you know, his emails are getting hacked. Don't encrypt your emails. Don't use an encryption service. No, don't do that. They're getting hacked. It was just yesterday, uh, you know, a meeting of hackers who came together to talk about the ways in which they can get into all kinds of facilities, open the locks on a car, get into people's bank accounts. Uh, it's of enormous concern. And, you know, spying has taken place for... That was a uh, black hat, everybody, but whatever. ...for centuries. Uh, and the latest means of spying is to be going after people's uh, cyber. Companies spend billions... What does that mean, Josh, going after people's cyber? The, that, well, I, I understood him perfectly. It made absolute sense. Well, the topic for the show is... All your cyber belong to us. <laughs> oh, continuing with people that don't understand technology. Here we go. And the ride continues, everyone. We're run by... A bunch of power-hungry morons. ...of dollars in order to protect themselves. The United States government does the same. But they don't protect your emails, you douche. You're contradicting yourself. This is so ridiculous. We are deeply involved in fighting back against this on a daily basis. With bombs and missiles. Uh, it, it has huge consequences, and we're trying to create a code of conduct and a... A system of uh, behavior that hopefully could uh, rein some of it in, but right now it's pretty, it's pretty much the wild west. So it is not the wild west. It is farthest from that. So that was my one carry clip. Here is and once again, uh, demonization of China and Russia. Why are they demonizing China and Russia? John Kerry is going to tell you why the big demonization campaign. And notice how they always say allegedly coming from China and Russia because, as we pointed out on shows before. Um, if you're getting hacked, the odds of you being able to find out where the hacker is, um, probably not very good. So here we go. U.S. dollar. It's not going to happen overnight, but I'm telling you, I already, you know, there's huge antipathy out there to many. Uh, you've seen Putin and you've seen China sort of working together. And in the wake of Ukraine, Putin's been reaching out. You, you may have observed the BRICS uh, summit that took place in Russia recently, the non-aligned countries. Uh, there's a big block out there, folks, that, you know, doesn't just sit around waiting to be told what to do by the United States. And yeah, we got to teach those guys a lesson. Um, get your act together, people. I mean, we're the world's superpower. Get in line. In today's new global marketplace, where there's an extraordinary amount of voracious competition going on, uh, lots of people chafing under the current post-World War II Bretton Woods sort of structure. They feel it doesn't, you know, take them into account. It's not fair. It, you know, gives undue power, etc. So, oh, wait a minute. Uh, excuse me. The, the the gigantic screw job that you ran on the entire, you know, rest of the countries that lost the war. You you mean that one? The tr Josh, do you care to take over here, or do you want to, to listen to Mr. Carey? Oh, the the uh, Marshall Plan. 
Um, but as, as to Mr. Carey, his comments directly, uh, ah, man. I'll let, here, let's, let's, let, let's, let, yeah, let's let him finish because this is all setting up for the big crescendo. There, there's a big payoff here. You're going you're gonna to love it. So it's a growing movement. It's not okay, about to before, take... Yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. Bef- before you do, I find it interesting that John Kerry is now parroting the meme of the alternative media, or at least a large percentage of the alternative media, mm-hmm. uh, which says that the, the BRICS alliance is essentially the, and that's why I jokingly referred to the, the Marshall Plan, uh, is this sort of n- new Warsaw Pact, uh, both economically, militarily, and uh, according to Mr. Kerry, uh, cyber. Yeah, it, <laughs> the cyber alliance as well uh, is uh, is actually you know a threat to the Anglo-American establishment and not directly controlled by, or at least in part controlled by it, uh, as we see through appointments to things like I, the British New Development Bank. All right, where all right we're going to get it. Right, let's let's former, let's finish the clip and then we'll get into that because that's uh, involved in your breakdown. Because I want everybody to hear this because this was spot on when I researched sure. everything you said. Here we go. Because uh, I, w- I want you to get the payoff, man. The payoff is where it's all at. Blossom tomorrow, but I'm telling you, if we wind up sanctioning our own allies with whom we're trying to negotiate the transatlantic uh, trade investment partnership, the TTIP, you can imagine what the response is going to be. What happens when we walk into them and say, well, we've got to tighten down on Russia because of Ukraine? They're still not moving with respect to the elections and the full implementation of Minsk. You mean the rigged elections and the staged coup that the CIA ran? So, yeah, we'll just glance over that. I mean, the complications that will grow out of that are enormous. And there will be an increase in this notion that there ought to be a different reserve currency because the United States is misbehaving and not, in fact, you know, living by the agreements that it negotiates itself. So it has broad implications. There it is, the reserve currency. We're in danger, Josh. Now explain to the people playing the home game why that is the biggest bunch of... Warning, warning, bullshit alert. Okay, people, here we go. So, Josh, take it away. Well, I just find it fascinating that if one were to listen to the words of John Kerry there and then listen to or read uh, an article or interview by Paul Craig Roberts, a very popular uh, metals analyst, uh, former Reagan admin, uh, uh, administration, uh, worked in the vice uh, uh, administrator of the Treasury Department during the yeah, Reagan Yeah, he was Reagan the assistant uh, secretary to the Treasury, I think, maybe. I think he was one guy down yeah, from, assist- from the head honcho. Assistant Secretary, exactly. Uh, as well as um, uh, a fellow, I believe, uh, on... A Georgetown board, uh, or, or some Washington University. I'm sorry, I don't have internet access while I'm on the phone with you here. Uh, but he sat on a on a board of, of directors at at some think tank affiliated with the Washington University with Zbigniew Brzezinski and Henry Kissinger, uh, Warren Buffett, and a number of other interesting guys. Uh, but the words of Paul Craig Roberts and the words of John Kerry in these two segments are virtually identical. Mm-hmm. Uh, so both the alternative media talking heads and now the mainstream media talking heads are really propagating this theory that uh, the big bad bricks are coming to to, to kill King Dollar. Uh, and, of course, in, on in, on the other side of the globe uh, and 
throughout the, this kind of loose alliance of nations who aren't really ideologically aligned necessarily, but certainly their economic interests uh, have have some uh, commonality in that they don't like the West, or presumably don't like the West. Uh, when we look really into these institutions uh, as they're being set up, uh, for example, the BRICS New Development Bank, uh, whose uh, vice president and uh, vice chairman on their uh, board of directors are populated by a bunch of World Bank and IMF officials, not even former World Bank or IMF officials, sitting World Bank and IMF officials. Uh, we see press releases about the AIIB, or in Asian Infrastructure Investment Bank, uh, and how they are now teaming up with the ADB, or the Asian Development Bank, uh, which is, is uh, a, a spin-off of the World Bank, and uh, the, their uh, first major programs are going to be based around smart cities and sustainable development. Uh, they, the phrase that the director of the AIIB used was lean, clean, and green, Jake. Oh, God. Uh, you know, the... Yeah, Christine Lagarde at the IMF also says, uh, you know, she's very looking forward to working with the Asian Infrastructure Investment Bank uh, in funding uh, projects not just related to sustainable development, but all across the globe. Um, so I don't know where you necessarily want to take this reserve currency discussion, Jake, because, I mean, there's a lot of places we could take it. We could discuss carbon credits. We could discuss uh, the, the role that the special drawing right will play in yeah. or is forecast to play, at least, by these, uh, the People's Bank of China and Chatham House. Uh, interestingly enough, to, that's supposed to play a large role. We could talk about gold. Uh, well, I think that where I, do you want to go with this? I, I think that you know we're going to do some overtime here, everybody. So um, you can catch us uh, if you want to hear the live version. You can catch us on jrevradio.com. That's the letter J R E V radio.com. Uh, you can find the uh, the live stream on there, or you can listen to the archive version. Remember, if you're listening to this live or if you have a friend that you want to recommend to listen to the show, and I do appreciate you guys as I see the, the, the downloads go up every week, so I do appreciate it. I guess we're doing some good work here. Um, tell somebody that's going to download the show to wait until tomorrow afternoon. Uh, because then I'll upload the the better quality audio, and uh, I just want to have a better production uh, and a better product for the listeners. Because remember, when when we're doing here, we are not cattle. I actually don't even solicit donations anymore. But if you want to, you can go to my website, wearenotcattle.net, and click the donate button. It's on the right hand side. It's kind of hidden a little bit. But if you wanted to do that, you can do that as well. And um, we're trying not to make you guys the product. Um, Ninety we seconds. Are, um, we're trying to do this for for the people for information purposes. And um, you know, Josh, I got one question for you before we get into all of this. Hey, what you reading for? That's all I got to say. All right. So now that we've gotten some of the humor out of the way, uh, thank you, Bill Hicks, for coming back for the grave to uh, to give us a little bit of insight. But um, I think the the a good conversation piece would be Josh the the parroting of the meme. That, uh, that you and I talked about yesterday, that September... 60 that, seconds. Don't pay any attention to her. That um, that the September and October are going to be... That's going to be it. It's going to be doomsday. It's going to... The Fed's going to raise rates, and, and everything's going to collapse, and we're going to all descend into chaos. Where you found something on the... Was it the IMF's own website that you thought was interesting? Can you explain that to the people and how it ties in uh, China and this basket of currencies idea um, to the global SDR and what and what that's going to entail? Hmm. Well, credits 
to the for the hat tip on the uh, postponement potential postponement of uh, the SDR uh, uh, basket renegotiation uh, for uh, at ten of redefiningGod.com. Excellent website. More mm-hmm. people ten read it. seconds. Uh, but he posted a quick blurb about the fact that the IMF may be, indeed be delaying uh, these requirements, uh, and uh, I thought that was. Interesting because there is a lot of hype surrounding this September, October, uh, the, the FOMC meeting coinciding with uh, these new climate change, uh, you know, agreements going into effect uh, as late as December, you know, with the Pope coming to meet with Congress to talk about climate change, a lot of interesting kind of geopolitical events going on that time of year. Mm-hmm. Um, but the the delay in the IMS SDR basket was particularly interesting to me because uh, – I've been following uh, this this wealth transfer from west to east in the form of physical bullion, uh, largely gold. Uh, and, of course, it's worth noting that the gold price is fixed by the London Bullion Market Association, or the LBMA, out of, uh, out of London, and that fix has been run by N.M. Rothschild since 1919. Uh, it's, they, they talk about it in their About Us section of their website. At the very end, they say, oh, yep, the same people today are from back then still rig it today. It's just that we do it with computers now. Um, so the, uh, the Anglo-American establishment is providing this excellent opportunity for, for China to, and India, all these BRICS nations, to accumulate physical wealth. Uh, and at the same time, we have groups like uh, Chatham House, which is part of the Royal Institute of International Affairs, set up uh, in, at, during the Paris Peace Conference uh, as, as a fulfillment of the last will and testament of Cecil John Rhodes, that gentleman that we were talking about earlier. In the yeah, show. that forensic well history as, bullshit that we always talk about. Yes. So uh, we have uh, Chatham House, as well as the head of the People's Bank of China, Chuo Xiaochuan, uh, universally declaring that... Uh, Gold should probably play a role in this new currency revaluation, and the yuan should be added to the special drawing rights. Mm-hmm. And this way, we will be able to mitigate international monetary crises uh, because we'll all have a, a stake in this new system. Uh, and one could, you know, ask a lot of questions as to why the why the Rothschild family is giving this fire sale gold to China. And to to my eye, it, it seems to be that these monetary systems. Through after some period of conflict or economic strife, uh, which may be beginning in in some parts of Asia right now, uh, is is going to befall us. We're going to see this uh, multipolar world order take shape, Jake, in which yeah. the BRICS and the West will be comfortably merged uh, under some new form of economic paradigm. Uh, and it, it seems to me that. A lot of the uh, implementations, or a lot of the, the tools for implementing this vision, are actually in place now. Uh, China's uh, yuan convertibility uh, is, is, and liquidity is much better than it was, uh, you know, in 2008, the last time this path was up for review. Uh, as well as, uh, you know, it's setting up of things like the Shanghai Gold and Silver Exchange, the physical bullion depository, uh, which is a huge step forward in terms of uh, taking the place of, or taking part in some form of new reserve currency. Um, but it, it seems that the IMF, uh, despite these strides that China has made in the past few years, wants to delay this by uh, one calendar year. They want to reconvene on September 30th of 2016, right before the 2016 elections, uh, sea elections here in America, and, and, and really make that decision. And I started 
kind of thinking about why that would be the case. Why would they delay it yet another year, despite the fact that all of this progress has been made, and the, the West is, for the most part, assisting the East in this process, despite you know the public bantering back and forth between these two sides and uh, a false flag here and uh, uh, a, uh, a color revolution there. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the apex of these power elites remains, for the most part, in sync. So then I turned my eye to um, this uh, arrangement that's going on in from November 30th to December 11th of this year uh, called COP21. And, Jake, I was wondering, because when I had started researching this, uh, it was because uh, uh hat tip to uh, globalist Charlie Rose. Uh, his program featured a segment on this. Uh, where did you he- first hear about COP21? It was, um, it. I guess it passed through my news feed, um, and in it was shared. I guess with one of the one of the guys, and and that's on my news feed. It was, and it basically was talking about. Um, it was um, a Rio reconvening, if you will. So the first conference in Rio, you know what they what they try to do with Agenda Twenty One there. And you sent me a nice little tidbit, and if you want to tell the people what you sent me and what was on their own website, I thought that was absolutely fascinating because I thought that Agenda 21 was a conspiracy theory, Josh. Yes, well, evidently the United Nations Climate Change Change Conference uh, and the United Nations Framework Convention on Climate Change, or the UNFCCC, uh, universally disagree with uh, uh, many local sustainable developers in that – Agenda 21, or the Rio 92 conference, was uh, not a binding treaty because the UN clearly states that it is. It says that uh, COP21 is a a particularly special event um, because not only is it the 21st anniversary of the implementation of Agenda 21 in 1994, um, but it's also the 11-year anniversary of the Kyoto Protocol. And since both of these events, no binding treaties have been signed. So in 21 years, there's been no update to international, the force of international law on climate change. Uh, and COP21 is set to change all that. It's quite literally Agenda 21 version 2.0. And uh, I'm writing an article about this now, which is going to hopefully flesh out these ideas in, uh, in a less rambling and more erudite and well-researched fashion. Um, but, ah, you're doing fine, you know, man. Keep going. What, what struck me as fascinating, Jake, is uh, when I started to look into what nations across the world, but specifically the BRICS nations, are doing to really prepare themselves um, for this conference in Paris. And almost universally, but especially in China, it's related to the lack of a national carbon trading market. Okay, uh, there we this go. Is something that's been established. Yes. This is something that's been established throughout most of um, Latin America, certainly throughout the EU and America. Mm-hmm. And China is, uh, is a few steps behind, evidently. But they have now pledged uh, to uh, launch this project at least by uh, late 2016, which is coincidentally when these uh, SDR uh, revaluations and rearranging of the basket would take is the delay would take place if this delay were indeed uh, to manifest. So it seems as though uh, carbon credits uh, are also going to play a foundational role, as many people have already talked about in the past, but now this is proof 
Uh, and it seems that the Asian Infrastructure Investment Bank, or AIIB, will also be uh, helping out with uh, funding some of these carbon trading networks within smart cities. Uh, so there's that same sorted cast of public and private financiers, uh, it, you know, as it, it, it as uh, shown in cities like uh, Tianjin, uh, which is a smart city, a, a smart eco city outside of the 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 central hub of the city of Tianjin. It's been built by a bunch of trilateral corporations um, to create this, you know, neo feudal kind of technocratic city. Uh, Jake, did you happen to see earlier today that there was actually an explosion in yes. Tianjin? Yes, I did. Um, yeah. yeah. And, and a lot of people, this this part of my diatribe, folks, is purely speculative, uh, so, you know, does not carry the weight of, uh, of documentation like most of my work does. It's fine, man. Uh, it's fine. Alex it's, Jones does it all the time. Go ahead. <laughs> a lot a lot of people are running away with this one saying oh it's a false flag as china decouples from the dollar uh, and and they're now engaging in quantitative easing um but of course i don't know anyone in my personal life who reads mandarin or cantonese so i i, I don't think many of these alternative media figures do either so this seems to be bold speculation on their part but whether or not this is uh I, I, in my eyes, I see three potential avenues. Either this is uh, an, organi an organized event staged by uh, aspects of the West as a, maybe a potential warning to China, as in you're not abiding by the sustainable development principles quick enough, so you need to get your people out of Tianjin, where we're going to blow things up into Tianjin Eco City right next door. Uh, it could be a hard-handed, heavy bureaucratic tactic used by the Chinese government themselves, uh, to instigate this Hegelian dialectic of problem-reaction-solution. Or, of course, the third option is that this is a, a genuine, some kind of genuine chemical plant explosion that will potentially be used uh, in the Ron Emanuel fashion of don't let a good crisis go to waste. Uh, but I do find it interesting that um, they have now said this is, you know, a chemical explosion of some sort, uh, so presumably those things would not happen in the clean and green uh, Tianjin eco-city, Jake. And, and that's why, you know... Be much we, safer. Yeah, and, that, and that's <laughs> why what we were talking about yesterday, and that's why the Pope is coming here to talk to us about global climate change. It's to try to get everybody lined up with this idea that... Um, that we can utilize carbon credits as part of this basket of currencies, and this is another thing that you and I talked about yesterday, is that the American people aren't necessarily sold on the fact that we need carbon credits and that we need you know, to, to move and reduce our carbon emissions and all these different things because there's conflicting arguments for both. So there's some speculation there, and I think that what's going to happen is – you and I discussed this yesterday as well – is that with the, with the coming here of the Pope, you're going to see the rhetoric get turned up a notch. And it's going to get turned up to the fact that especially somebody like a Bernie Sanders people look at one of the things that Bernie Sanders talks about. Well, we're not, we're not focusing on climate change. We really – I mean it, 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 it just – it's too symbiotic – to be a coincidence is, I think, what Josh and I are saying Jake, at the end of the day. 
Jake, you're absolutely right, and I, I don't. I'm sure that you've seen this video at some point, <clears throat> um, but th it was. It's an older video recorded in 1992, right before the Rio Earth Summit, recorded by a, a gentleman by the name of George Washington Hunt. Unfortunately, Mr. Hunt passed away. Uh, I believe it was last year, uh, so that's very sad. But he's a he's a whistleblower and a, and a researcher, who he's the guy who did that 20 or so minute video that is on YouTube. Um, where he w ate dinner with Maury Strong and, oh, yeah. uh, uh, and Edmund de Rothschild and recorded their conversations. Uh, and these meetings took place throughout America, uh, and he ended up getting a document from the, uh, the Midwest public hearing on environment and de development that the UN was holding uh, in, in Iowa uh, in, in advance of the United Nations Earth Summit in 1992 or Agenda 21. And George Washington Hunt managed to sneak out some incredibly damning documents from this uh, 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 framework, Jake. And as Agenda 21 is a binding framework that has no specific implementation requirements, that's where COP21 is going to presumably change things, mm -hmm. um, this document is actually the clearest vision that we have for what the actual intended purpose of Agenda 21 was or is. Um, and, of course, if you listen to the taped version of, of George Hunt's um, uh, uh, inquiry into the UNSAID meeting, or UNCED environmental meetings, which is what the American versions were called, uh, you can hear on the tape uh, the recounting, uh, the musings of someone like Maury Strong, uh, who claims that he wants to write a fictional book, uh, fiction, in which... Um, Always fiction, this, because if they, uh, you tell the truth, they're yeah, going to whack in you. Which, yeah, in, in which um, this, uh, this environmental group would essentially hold the world hostage um, by not allowing the stock markets of the globe to close, ca causing them to go into perpetual freefall with no assistance uh, in order to get these uh, climate change referendums drafted, which is why, you know, I think it adds reinforcement to why September, October, either this year or next year, could be very interesting, depending on when these um, environmental uh, regulations go into effect. But this document is the clearest uh, vision that we have of the intent of Agenda 21. And there are just a few segments that I have to read for you, Jake, because they're so prescient and damning that they need to be read. Um, so one of these bullet points states that uh, India's delegate at the Geneva unsaid negotiations told the Earth Charter organizers with the support of negotiators from China, that, quote, we are not here as supplicants, and we have not come here for aid, but compensatory financial flows for underdeveloped nations are required, according to September 13th Indian Press. Well, that's interesting. Um, so right. Yeah, go in ahead, because I got something to piggyback on top of that. That just kind of spurred my... Um, oh, sure. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. No, it was um, – if you actually read Agenda 21 oh, – shocker, um, Josh and I both have read Agenda 21. Uh, the financial part of it is what I found that was the most damning when I was combing through it. Uh, some of it's just legally some jargon. But when you get into the financing, and that's what I was keying on because I understood that the World Bank has impoverished a lot of these third world nations by having you know economic hitman go in there, 
uh, do um, privatization games where they sign a country on to a loan that they know they can never pay back. And then uh, as they pose collateral for the fake money that they printed out of nowhere to give these people to spend, uh, they offer real hard assets in return. Uh, knowing that the country will default, knowing that they can take the assets, give them to multinational corporations, and then the corporations can come in and take a management over and, and run them into the ground and make giant profits on it uh, with no real risk involved. It's the same private-public partnership bullshit that Josh and I talk about a lot. Sorry for the profanity, people, but we're um, we're running up against some hard times, and if we don't start to get a clue... Um, this stuff will go off without a hitch, and then we will all be hitched to a very nasty wagon, um, no pun intended. But what I found was so damning was the fact that in the agreement where they were talking about these third world nations that were already in debt, it talks about how the IMF and the World Bank will just write them new loans for more money. So knowing good and well that it will probably end up in the hands of a dictator – that it will never touch the population, they'll never implement any of these things, and it's just a methodology for control, understanding that that none of this stuff is going to go through, and it's just a way to micromanage humanity and possibly carry out the slow extermination of people that you know don't need to be here, like uh, like brown people and and black people, I guess, if you're a eugenicist, like most of these people are. Not that I have anything against yeah, them, but but sorry, guys. They wrote tons of books talking about how they want to get rid of you, uh, blacks, um, uh, Arabs, and for some reason the Irish are right up there with them. I don't know why. But anyway, go ahead, man. Hmm. And it, when one looks at nations like China or India with their you know mixed totalitarian pseudo-capitalist state or their Indian caste system, you know, these aren't exactly states that are, you know, great arbiters of natural rights liberalism. So it seems that they're all working towards the same aim of uh, enslavement of their own populations, uh, if not direct depopulation. But reading again, uh, India and China tell uh, uh, the, the UN at the unsaid negotiations ahead of Rio 92, again, we are not here as supplicants, and we have not come here for aid. So they haven't come for loans, but compensatory financial flows, end quote. So they, they're saying that we want in on global trade. We want in on neo-mercantilism. That's the only way you're gonna sign, we're going to sign off on this. They say uh, newsmen were told in both China and India or that both China and, and India will have to be satisfied on these questions before they attend the Rio summit, declaring that without the assent of India and China, no charter will be worth the paper it is written on. So the globalist system needed China and India to be participants at unset. They, they wanted to be part of global free trade. Now we look 21 years or 23 years later now, what has happened, what have happened to China and India? You know, burgeoning systems of development. So the Anglo-American establishment kept their promise to China and India. So the East owes the West in, in a big way here. Uh, moving on, we see that uh, the UN Conference on Trade and Development issued its annual report uh, declaring, according to the BBC, that the liberal free market is not an appropriate model for developing nations. Finance should serve industry, not the other way around, and the government has a key role to play in certain sectors of the economy. Developing nations should look to Germany and Japan rather than the U.S. and Britain as examples. They should look to countries that were, you know, bombed to smithereens as opposed to the Anglo-American establishment. Uh, 
The report deplores the tendency to introduce an Anglo-Saxon banking system into developing countries. So they're saying there, in this uh, unsaid official UN document from 1991, uh, that the Anglo-Saxon system is not going to be directly implemented in the East. They're going to use something that's slightly different. So they're not uh, going to bring in cen- they're not going to bring in central banks with free fiat money. They'll do something different. They'll at least have the appearance of something different, Fair something enough. like an Asian infrastructure investment bank oh, or okay. a new development bank. No, oh, and on. you you go on in the, yeah, and you go on in this document, Jake, uh, where even though it says that uh, they don't they want don't want to uh, import these um, banking systems to the east that, uh, here we quote again, will you take action now that President Bush has the political momentum or wait until you must convince America to fight a hundred Vietnams simultaneously? This is the time to save the Anglo-Saxon race and its most glorious production, the Anglo-Saxon system of banking, insurance, and trade. So despite the fact that it's not being exported to the East, uh, they want it to survive in the East, so they're giving it an update. Again, this is all from the early 90s, people. And it's an incredibly racist document. It's hard to believe that it's actually real, but it is. You can either FOIA the state of Iowa for this, or you can download it if you simply search unsaid, UNCED, 1992, George Hunt. Uh, It's freely available for download. But Jake, this last part of this document is going to sound incredibly familiar to you. And again, it's incredibly offensive and racist, but this is how these people are. We are the living sponsors of the great... Cecil Rhodes' will of 1877, in which Rhodes devoted his fortune to the extension of British rule throughout the world, the colonization by British subjects of the entire continent of Africa, the Holy Land, the Valley of the Euphrates, the the islands of Cyprus and Candia, the whole of South America, the islands of the Pacific not heretofore possessed by Great Britain, the whole of the Malay archipelago, the seaboard of China and Japan, the ultimate recovery of the United States of America as an integral part of the British Empire. We stand with Lord Milner's credo. We, too, are British race patriots, and our patriotism is the speech, the tradition, the principles, the aspirations of the British race. Do you fear to take this stand at the very last moment when this purpose can be realized? Do you not see that failure now is to be pulled down by the billions of Lilliputians, that's little people, of lesser race who care nothing, little or nothing, for the Anglo-Saxon system? This is a real document, Jake. Hey, can you send me that in the PDF and I'll link it in the show notes? (laughs) Isn't it flabbergasting? You know what? I think it all just comes down to this, Josh. There's a vast ocean of shit you people don't know shit about. And I think that pretty much sums it up. Yeah, can you send that to me, dude? Or I'll find it in there on the web and, and download I'll it. I'll send it to you. Yeah, okay, great. So, all right, well, I think we uh, I think we did it, man. Uh, closing comment. I think we should just end on that. That was fantastic. So, um, get ready, everybody. I'm sorry for taking up so much of your time there. No, that end, was but... that was perfect. I mean, guess what, people? Um, all of this quote-unquote conspiracy stuff that you've heard Josh and I talk about, for two years, um, we ain't making it up. Sorry, forensic history is pretty dangerous, pretty exciting, and actually it's extremely exciting. Um, and um, a little bit kooky because you get some, I mean, it's like a spy movie, man. You get these like weird guys and 
and and and they actually exist. That's the weird thing. I think that's what you were trying to get at. It's like, do people like this really exist? Like, really, the last will well, and testament of at- Cecil John Rhodes? I mean, and that's why you can't trust anybody that's on. I mean, you can't trust people that are that are in the media. You can't trust somebody that's a. Uh, that's a that's a Rhodes scholar like um, what's his name on MSNBC the guy with the glasses not Chris not Chris what's the well, other Rachel deep... Madcow oh oh yeah that one that, oh oh the yeah, Mad Cow sorry yeah she's a Rhodes scholar I, so I, yeah I it's a good deal up sometimes they look real similar yeah you know what and they both have about the same intelligence rating so you know they're they're there to con you everybody they're there to sell you a bill of goods. Fabian socialism is the way. Just listen to Bernie Sanders. Follow the old grandpa. So on the Democratic side, for those of you still that still play the game of uh, politicians that are going to save your ass. Uh, so on the Democratic side, you have the grandma or the grandpa. Remember, Grandma Hillary is going to come and save you, or Grandpa uh, Bernie is going to bail you out. You know, give you a big hug and give you a bunch of free goodies. Or you have the obvious shill. Um, um, which I don't, still don't understand how people don't, uh, Alex Jones, um, don't understand that Trump is a total shill. Um, he's been friends with the Clintons forever. This is just basically a throwaway to try to get the Democrats reelected. He was a lifetime Democrat for a long time, gave to both parties because he wanted to get stuff done. But at the end of the day, people, oh, number two. All right, I'm going to stop. But um, hashtag stump for Trump. Oh, gosh. You know, it, it's really sad. <laughs> it's really sad. And then the people that, yeah, it's it's just bad. Final final comments, man, and then we'll wrap this thing up. I, I think that was a, a great way to explain to people what's what's happening. Uh, don't necessarily lose your britches, everybody, this uh, September, but uh, be wary. We'll just say beware the Ides of September, not the Ides of March. Go ahead, Josh. But yeah, th- th- thanks so much for having me on again, Jake. Uh, I blog under the pseudonym of Rusticus. Uh, you can find my posts at uh, my articles at Activist Post, uh, the Sleuth Journal, Zen Gardener picks them up sometimes. Um, I'll, I'm resyndicated on a lot of different blogs, but stateleshomesteading.com uh, is is where my work lives, and that's its permanent home, uh, where I'll hopefully have this uh, article out within the next few days breaking down what this update to Agenda 21 really means for humanity, uh, because there's a lot of coverage on it, a lot of dots that people have just not at all connected yet, and uh, I feel that they're important enough to connect. So in the meantime, Jake, while we still exist in this uh, crazy reality that looks uh, somewhat like a, like a spy film, uh, and perhaps uh, is more like one than many people believe when we live in a world where characters like Ian Fleming who are actual British spies, write books about being a British, British spy. spies that become <laughs> movies about British spies. Uh, that's or, very interesting. Or you can um, make a, or you but, can make a movie or you can make a movie, Josh, about a, a guy that sells out too early before nine eleven and kind of tips off the banking class and he needs to be taken out by Yeah. Oh, whatever. The, the yeah, they, what, what, I highly recommend that people rewatch Casino Royale and just think of James Bond as a hitman uh, go, gone out to kill someone who who fucked up that uh, the insider trading. Um, very interesting movie when it's viewed in that perspective. All the Bond movies are when you see the the deeper political intent. You know, Goldfinger, uh, the robbing of Fort Knox by the British. Uh, mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, uh, again, I digress. I'm very sorry. A little scatterbrain this evening. We've talked no. about so much. But thank you 
so much for having me on, Jake. It's always a pleasure. And again, you can find my work at statelesshomesteading.com. And this podcast should put us on the map. And for those of you that wish to share this with people you know, people you love, people you like, please do. Um, we're, I guess we're not really afraid anymore because uh, the options are total neo-feudalism or you get assassinated. So the it's not really great either way, but we're trying to stave off the first one and possibly the second one. So... Thanks for listening, everybody. Remember, um, gather all the information for yourself. Uh, cogitate on it. Think about it. Formulate your own opinion. And someday uh, you may be right. And once again, get a friend, get informed, and get involved. And join us here next Thursday as the Arbiters and the Destroyer, uh, the Arbiters of Freedom and the Destroyers of Memes return on We Are Not Cattle Radio. Thanks for listening, everybody. Thank you for using Blog Talk Radio. Goodbye.